Um, some of you that know me know that I don't like going off script, which I'll do right away. <laughs> um, scripture says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so uh, there might be some of you out there that are thinking, you know, how do you show Christ in the Passover? And because the Passover is a Jewish holiday and Christ obviously came in what we call the New Testament, and so um, that's what I intend to show tonight, that he was as, as prevalent in the Old Testament all the way through as he is in the New Testament. So um, tonight we're going to look at the seven feasts of Israel, which speak about the redemption plan for humanity. God has, has completely laid out in the seven feasts of Israel his redemption plan for humanity. Uh, but to do this, we must consider Passover the most critical feast upon which all the other feasts depend. It is the top, if you will, the head, and uh, so important that God made it the beginning of the year. In Exodus 12:2, it says, This month is to be the beginning of months for you, it is the first of your year. There is one overarching reason for Passover. Uh, in Romans 9.17, it says, For the scriptures says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you, and that my, ma my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So, uh, you know, one of the things we find that even in Rahab, right, who, who hid the uh, spies from Israel, this is like 40 years after uh, God did his work of taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. Rahab knew who God was, and she was willing to cooperate with the two spies. And so they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have Internet, they didn't have newspapers, but yet her, 40 years after this event, knew what was going on. So Passover is a joyous time for the family. It's a time when we remember our bondage to slavery in Egypt and how God saved us from that bondage. His ultimate act of the 10 plagues that we're going to discuss this evening culminated in the killing of the firstborn of the Egyptians, of those houses that would not apply the blood of the lamb. And you know what? We know for a fact that anyone, Jew or Gentile, that was willing to trust God and put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and lentil of their door, God sent the angel of death that would pass over that house. That angel was looking for the blood of the lamb, not looking for a Jewish home, but Jew or Gentile. If they were willing to trust God, God was willing to save that house. In Exodus 12:38, we're told that a mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds and a very large number of livestock. And for those who did, the angel of death passed over. Um, by definition, 
Passover is a one-day event. We sometimes get it mixed up because the next seven days after Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And we tend to look at those eight days as Passover. But it is just the one day and then the seven days of unleavened bread. So now let's take a closer look at the Passover Seder. We understand that by looking at the Passover meal, the Seder, it is the entire meal that we use to tell the story of Passover. So in a Jewish family, every year they get together and they would tell the story of how God brought them out of Egypt out of bondage, out of slavery, into the promised land. Um, And how that, for the Christian, how that is actually a type of the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus celebrated the Passover the way that it was celebrated in every home during the first century. In Luke 22, 8 through 13, it says, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us, excuse me, where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He said, listen, when you've entered the city, you'll see a man carrying a water jug. He'll meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make preparations there. So they went and they found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Look how many times Jesus talks about preparing and making preparation, which shows up in these verses here. Before we look at the home itself for preparation, we must look at our own hearts. We go through what I call an attitude adjustment. Now, every time we celebrate the Passover, we are to look at ourselves as if God personally took us out of Egypt, out of bondage. And by the way, for the Christian, this is a true statement. If you've ever been addicted, if you will, to one thing or another, whether it's booze or pornography or drugs or whatever, God gives you freedom from that. And we can look at ourselves as having personally come out of that bondage. Uh, Exodus 13, 8 says, On that day, explain to your son, this is because what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. We must see ourselves as personally coming out of bondage. For Passover, preparation starts with the cleaning of the house. All leavened products must be removed from the house. Uh, That's cakes, that's spreads, that's Twinkies. Uh, All of it has to be removed from the house. Two reasons why unleavened bread is eaten for Passover. One is historical. God told the Israelites that they need to be ready to move on a moment's notice. And so matzah is called the bread of haste. In Deuteronomy 16.3, it says, Do not eat leavened bread with it. For seven days you are to eat unleavened bread with it, the bread of hardship, because you left the land of Egypt in a hurry. 
so that you may remember for the rest of your lives the day that you left the land of Egypt. It was such an important event for the nation of Israel that they were never to forget what God had done for them in Egypt. Leaven is also a picture of pride and of sin in the scriptures. In Matthew 6.16 it says, Jesus, teaching on the false doctrine of the Pharisees, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So just as the head of the house searches and cleans any leaven from the house, so we are to search and clean any uncleanness in our heart. 1 John 1, 9, if we are faithful and just to, for, to confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Next, Elijah is known as the herald of the Lord. At the Passover table, the head of the house is seated at one end of the table, and either at the other end or somewhere around the table is an empty chair for Elijah, according to tradition, to await one person, Elijah the prophet, and his coming will precede the coming of the Messiah himself. Now, we know that John the Baptist, when he came, he came in the spirit of Elijah. Malachi 3.1 says, See, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant you delight in, seeing he is coming, says the Lord of armies. So we know in Isaiah 40, verse 3, it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, Make straight the desert, a highway for our God. We know that Isaiah is talking about John the Baptist because we're told in Matthew 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching, for this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths. So if you ever wondered why there was John the Baptist and Elijah. When John the Baptist said himself he was not Elijah, he was not lying. He was not Elijah. But his work was the same work that Elijah will do when Elijah finally comes. It's just that Elijah is going to foretell the second coming of Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist foretold the first coming. So the Passover Seder is divided into five sections. Two glasses of juice or wine before dinner, and then dinner, and then two glasses of juice after dinner. These four juice cups are based upon the four promises of God. So the four promises are, therefore tell the Israelites, I am the Lord, and one I will bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. So, sanctification. Two, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. So, redemption. Three, I will take you as my people. I'm sorry, two is praise. Three, I will take you as my people. That's redemption. And then four, 
I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. So that is ultimately the acceptance of God. Before the evening goes any further, it's officially kicked off by the woman of the house lighting the candle. So last year when we did an actual dinner, we had ladies stand up around the table and they kind of like brought the light to themselves. So the prayer before lighting the candles is, Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, was sanctified us with thy commandments and commanded us to kindle the festive lights. So once the candles are lit, then the head of the household takes back over. In order to lead through the rest of the service, the head of the household uses a book called the Haggadah. That word means the telling. And so it's our job to tell the story of all the magnificent things that God did to save his people. And so for the people of Israel to tell their children each year what God has done to bring the children of Israel out of bondage and slavery to Egypt into the promised land. In Exodus 12, 26, and 27, when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean? You are to reply, it is the Passover Seder to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and he spared our homes so the people knelt low and worshipped. So the main table settings to help tell the story of Passover, because the dinner does that, is the Seder plate. So starting at the top and working our way counterclockwise, the first is maror, or bitter herbs. That's horseradish. And actually, when you do this for the regular Seder, you are supposed to take a pizza matzah and take a lot of horseradish on it so that when you take a bite of it, it draws tears to your eyes. That's important. Um, reminds us that our lives were bitter to the very root of our lives. Second is hagida, that's the egg. It reminds us of the daily roasted temple sacrifices that can no longer be offered because the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. And the, the Jewish people, if they are honest with themselves and honest with scripture, they're reminded that there is no sacrifice to bring righteousness before God. And so you have to ask yourself, the Jew today, how did they come into right relationship with God? Well, God made provision for that by sending his son, Christ Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins so that his righteousness might be applied for us. And our sin, he took as a penalty on the cross. Next is the bitter lettuce. It serves this purpose as fulfilling one obligation to eat bitter herbs. Next is the parsley. Reminds us of the freshness and vitality of our lives. And then towards the bottom side is the carouset or the mortar. It's kind of like a ground apple salad. The carouset reminds us of our labors in bondage. So think about all the clay that we had to use to make bricks 
The kerosene reminds us of that. Now, kerosene is also made with honey, so it's sweet. So why would our labor be sweet when we think about the bricks that we used to have to make? Well, the reason is that from where we sit down, our labor is sweet knowing that our redemption draws nigh. And then the zoror, or the shank bone. This one we don't eat. Since AD 70, they can no longer offer lambs on the altar, and uh, the Jewish people have been able to make sacrifices in the temple until that point. So many Jewish people do not even eat lamb at Passover. Typically, it's a beef or a chicken dish. So the shank bone of the lamb is on every Passover plate. We, as Christians, know that we are saved by the blood of the lamb. The Passover plate to remind us of the final sacrifice for our redemption and that we move from there, we move to the first cup, the cup of sanctification, the promises of God in Exodus 6, 6 and 7. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. He will set us apart. Jesus fulfilled this scripture in Hebrews 10.10 where it says, By this will of God we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Those that are in Christ and call themselves a Christian are set apart by God and sanctified, both as a one-time event, sanctification, at the time you receive Christ Jesus, And sanctification goes on in our life throughout our entire life where God is continually making us apart, making us cleaner, if you will. So um, next is the bowl of water. We use the bowl of salt water to dip the bitter herbs because we know that it reminds us of the tears and that we take with the parsley and reminds us that in bondage, our lives were drenched with tears. Then we have the prayer over the first glass of juice. And that prayer is, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the fruit of the vine. In Hebrew, it's Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Medek Haolam Borei Pri Hagafen. So that is the prayer over the wine. It's interesting, you know, I was bar mitzvah at 13 years old. The two prayers I remember is over the wine and over the bread. Don't know why that is, but those are the two that I remember. Uh, So next is the matzotash. This is the bread bag. It's also called the echad, which means unity. You know, it's interesting that the prayer which normally starts every Jewish service on like a Sabbath morning is um, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. And if you try and share Jesus with a Jewish person, they'll say, "Ah, I, I, I only... Worship one God, not three gods. Well, we don't worship three gods either. We worship one God in three persons. And so 
Within the matzotash, there are three compartments. The three pieces of matzah go in there, and it's always three inside the one. It's a perfect symbol of the triunity of our God. So why three instead of two or four or something else? One tradition, the rabbis say it's because of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the middle matzah, Isaac, was taken out, broken, because Isaac was going to be sacrificed by Abraham on Mount Moriah. Now, you need to know, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead a second, but of the three pieces of matzah, the middle piece is taken out, broken in half, and wrapped up, one half is wrapped up in linen and hidden away. Okay? And so some Jews will say, well, that's the patriarchs. Another tradition says it represents the people of Israel, the priest, and God. And the middle matzah is taken out and broken to represent the priests because they made sacrifices at the altar. Christians believe that the matzotash represents the triunity of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that middle piece of matzah that's taken out and broken represents Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, wrapped in a linen and hidden away. Um, if you look at the New Testament, we see that Jesus died on the cross, was wrapped in a linen shroud, put in the ground or in the tomb for three days and then rose again, right? Demonstrating that he came back from a hidden place, right? And then stayed on earth for 40 days and then ascended up into heaven to ever make intercession for his people. And so it exactly depicts the Son of God who died on the cross three days after his burial, rose again, which is why when you look at a piece of matzah bread, you'll notice it is striped, it is pierced, and it is bruised. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. You know, yeah, you just got to be blinders on to not see the, the message in the Passover. After the middle piece is taken out and broken, half goes back into the bag, Half is wrapped in white linen cloth or shroud and hidden away. It does not come back out until after dinner. It's interesting that, that the word for that coming back out is afakoman, which means the last thing to be eaten or dessert, right? Afakoman is the only Greek word in the Passover Seder. Everything else is in Hebrew. And so next is the second cup which is the cup of plagues. With this cup, we list each plague. So you take um, like a piece of parsley and you dip it into the cup and with each drop on your plate or on a napkin is a drop of juice. 
And uh, the reason is because a full glass of juice or a full glass of wine depicts complete joy. And every time a plague came upon the Egyptians, it decreases our joy. We should never be happy when we see evil men suffer. But our hearts should be lost for the, should be for the lost and their need to receive God's gift of salvation, the Messiah Christ Jesus. So we count them off. Blood, mice, frogs, flies, disease, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and death of the firstborn. This is how God makes provision for our redemption, by instructing us to take a lamb into each house. Exodus 12.3 says, Speak to the congregation of Israel, saying on the tenth of this month, they are to each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's household. A lamb for each household. It goes on to say that if, if a house cannot afford a lamb, then they are to get with their neighbor and share a lamb. And so on the tenth of the month, the children of Israel were to take a lamb and take it into their house, which means from the tenth until the fourteenth, when Passover, the tenth of the sun until the fourteenth of the sun. So they take the lamb into their house so that for four days they can examine that lamb and make sure that it is pure. And uh, then on the 14th, they would sacrifice the lamb, put the lamb, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of the house because they needed those four days to ensure it was perfect without spot or blemish. Uh, Exodus 12.5 says, Your lamb shall be unblemished male, a year old, and you may take it from the sheep and the goats. Our Messiah is called the Lamb of God in the New Testament. Jesus offered himself as a humble lamb to the people of Jerusalem. He entered Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey on the 10th of Nisan. In Zechariah 9.9 it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the fold of a donkey. Then the fulfillment in the New Testament, Mark 11, they brought the colt to Jesus and put their coats on it, and he sat on it, and many spread their coats on the road, and others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields, those who went in front and those following or shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came unto the temple, and after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. That evening, on the tenth, he entered the temple, it would have been the 10th of Nisan. Um, the 10th of Nisan started this last Sunday at dusk. Four days later, um, on the 14th, Jesus was crucified. And then on the 14th day, 
the day that Jesus was crucified? Remember what Pilate said? The head of the government, Pilate, stood up and said, I find no fault in him. And Pilate said unto the chief priests and the multitudes, I find no fault in him. So he was recognized to be fit as the lamb for redemption. Jesus was identifying himself as the lamb of the Passover. In Exodus 12, 13, it says, The blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now we come to the end of the second cup and we eat dinner. And so dinner is a typical dinner. You can make whatever you want for it, uh, chicken or beef or whatever you want. Uh, After dinner is the time when the children of the house search for the afikoman, that the broken pizza matzah that's wrapped in linen and hidden away. Typically, during uh, a Passover Seder, during the afikoman, the child that finds the afikoman uh, usually gets a present. Uh, these are typically gelt, is the uh, chocolate candies that look like coins, and you give them to your children. And so this is also when Jesus established communion, and it now pictures the Lamb of God sacrificed for our sin, which provides our redemption. The head of the house now breaks off a small piece for each one around the house, and we partake of the third cup of redemption. The third, I will. In Exodus 6, 6, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. It's at this point that Jesus interjects in the Last Supper in the upper room and establishes communion. And so typically, we'll read from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this often as you drink it, in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The Jews were always expecting a new covenant told to them in Jeremiah 31. It says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Instead, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them, write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Up until that time that the Messiah came, there was only one person who was able to have direct uh, meeting with God And that was the high priest. He had to go into the Holy of Holies, right? Uh, The prophecy in Jeremiah said, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. Do you realize 
that as a Christian covered by the blood of Christ, you can go right into the throne room of God and bring your request, bring all of your trouble, bring all of your praise and worship right into the very throne room of God. This is the ultimate benefit of Jesus coming as Messiah and dying for the sins on the cross. All We would all know him. The veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, showing that the way to God is no longer through animal sacrifice over and over and over again. Access is now by faith in the shed blood of Messiah on the cross, and there is a new covenant relationship with God by which we can all know the Lord. God is not, nor has ever been, swayed by religion. Religion is a way of God working themselves, uh, by man working themselves to God. And relationship is when God comes down and provides a way of salvation for his creation. God wants relationship with us so much so that he sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins so that by faith we have eternal life in the triune God of the universe. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. If you do not yet know Jesus Christ, you don't know God, and you haven't obtained eternal life. Let me just recap. It is the first cup that we trust in the promise of God for sanctification. For that trust, he sets us apart. The people of God were the ones who not only slayed the lamb, but they applied the blood to their doorpost. They put their faith to work in action. You need to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, but you also need to apply the blood of the lamb to the doorpost of our hearts. Israel could have slaughtered a thousand lambs, but if they had not applied that blood to the doorpost, the angel of death would not have passed over their house. He only passed over the houses where the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorpost. The fact that Jesus died for the sins of the world does you no good unless you personally trust him and apply the blood of the lamb to the doorpost of your heart. Revelation 3.20 says, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. So I have a question for you. How does Jesus know which door to knock on? And I would tell you that he looks and sees which door doesn't have the blood of the lamb applied, and he knocks on those doors. I don't know. Is somebody hearing the knock of God in their lives? If you sense that the door to your heart is being knocked on by God, answer it. He wants to apply the benefits of his death to your soul answer the door. And finally, we get to the fourth cup, which will conclude our service. 
This is the cup of Hallel, the cup of praise, the cup of acceptance. This is the cup that Jesus said he would not drink with his disciples until he drinks it anew in his kingdom. Let's quickly go back for a moment to Elijah and that empty chair at the table. As we see, that chair is still empty. So typically in Jewish homes, they end the service with this exclamation, next year in Jerusalem. This is a sad exclamation. The Jews are saying, well, Elijah didn't show up this year. Next year, we'll be in Jerusalem. And we can hear, we can see that that God has, has sent his Messiah. But the Messiah has already come. And those of us in Christ Jesus can celebrate this freedom in Christ. Our promise of eternal life and a life free from sin's domination. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, For he says, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of celebration. Celebration and salvation. So we can end our Passover Seder knowing that we're just following tradition, but the Lamb of God has already come and redeemed us. And Elijah's work was done by John the Baptist, making ways straight for him. Join me now in prayer, if you would, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the work that you have done, not only in creating this world, but in providing a Messiah for us so that you can draw your creation, those that trust in you and depend upon you, Draw them into a relationship with you because you sent your son to die on the cross for us. We thank you and praise you, Lord, that you have done a work that we could never do. We praise you. We worship you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.